Ellis East Elementary walkthrough, May 18th. The Ticket Office. The hallway behind the gym has the same stone floors as the main back hallway with the pebbling pattern. It is dark and cavernous with no overhead lighting, relying on the light from the back door and the gymnasium. I don't think that's up to code. As I walk toward the ticket office, which is on the northeastern corner of the gymnasium, to my left is a set of trophy cases which flank either side of a large framed photo. To my right is the gymnasium, which I just left. The trophy cases are mostly empty, but there are a few trophies left in there, all of which appear very old from the normal school days of the building. The photograph is dated 1920 and labeled Staff Ellis Field School with rows of mostly young women gathered around two older women. The photo is black and white and it is hard to pin down the details of the members of the photograph. The ticket office is at the end of the hallway. It is a small room with ticket office painted on the door in expansive script. Most recently, it was used as the office of the physical education teacher, as well as, it seems, a repository for assorted keys. On the furthest wall, there is a small inset door. Inside the door are numerous hooks with keys of various sizes, each with strings attached to affix a label. They range from newer models to very large skeleton keys. There is one hook that only has a label without a key and it reads, Tower. On the other empty hooks, there are a collection of items like a magpie's treasure trove. I see beads and a few silver charms, colorful glass fragments, all tied to strings on hooks. The effect is an eclectic mosaic of detritus. Audio Diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, July 1st, 9 a.m., recorded over breakfast in the formal dining room. We've got heavy rains expected over the next few days, so we're settling in for a cozy couple of days indoors. We don't usually have breakfast in here, but today felt special. I've got tea steeping. Good morning. Good morning. So, I have two things I want us to talk about. By all means. First of all, the grant to study public sculpture, it came through. That's amazing. Congratulations. And I was wondering if you wouldn't mind if I made Ellis Field my home base of operations for a little while. I want to write about how they incorporate sculpture into the town and... Stay as long as you like. You know I have the room. Ooh, we should celebrate. What do you want to do? Dinner party? Carousel party. No, that's still weird. I think I have Nana Plume's cake recipe somewhere. Okay, we'll figure something out. Um, you're probably not going to feel super celebratory about what I tell you next. Oh? When I woke up, there was a text from Lenore waiting for me. I guess she saw from my post on Instagram that I was in Ellis Field, and she put two and two together, and she asked how you were doing and if she could reach out to you, and I wanted to just say no, but I know it's not my place, but... Your sentiments are noted. Well, it's been almost a decade. What's the harm? 
She was supposed to take care of you as you recovered from surgery. We were 24. That's prefrontal cortex not fully developed young. She moved out without telling you first while you were in the hospital. It brought up unresolved things about her mother. Look, objectively, I can be compassionate for what she might have been going through, but your ex, who abandoned you after major surgery, is not someone you invite back in, especially when you have your life mostly together. Mostly? You live in a haunted house. Allegedly. A haunted school with a haunted carousel. Do you think the carousel haunting is its own thing or part of what's going on at the school? Wait, you're acknowledging it's haunted just to split hairs? I digress. Please don't contact your ex. Audio diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, July 1st, 10.30 a.m. Just going to walk the hallways. Walk the hallways and find anything to think about other than texting my ex. Let's see. My to-do list is managed. My monograph is coming along. My research into the school's history, going well. Why shouldn't I forgive her? It was 10 years ago. Plus, it's not like I'm getting back. Wait, is someone there? There was someone on the back staircase. I know it. They're short like a child, but when I looked again, they were gone. Who's there? Okay, I'm on the second floor now. Where are they? Wait, I think I see someone going back in the side hallway. Stop, who are you? They're gone. Journal of Lucy Hobbs, recorded by Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, July 1st. 2 p.m. The next parts of the journal are years after the first entries. Ten years, in fact. Entry dated December 1st, 1895. Today, I offered Helena the role of librarian. The upkeep of the library has gotten to be too much for me with my other responsibilities running the school. Honestly, it comes a little late. She's been here for over four years and has been doing much of the work as a librarian for most of this time. But with Elizabeth getting older and getting most of her education from the faculty at the school, Helena is free to work in the library most days. She clearly cares for it as much as I do. James and Helena have become my dearest friends. John has moved on, starting his own normal school in a town about 40 miles away. Many of the early faculty have pursued new opportunities, and with our enrollment numbers growing, I no longer have the capacity to spend as much time with the new faculty, so my friendship with the Reeves is especially valuable. Algernon grows ever more reclusive. A few students came to me because he has begun to post instructions in an envelope at the classroom door or leave his classes to teaching assistants. They have only seen him thrice this term. 
James seems to exhibit visible discomfort whenever Algernon's name is mentioned, though I cannot get him to tell me why he feels this way. The last time I saw Algernon, he appeared to have injured his leg somehow. He refused to tell me what has happened and resisted all attempts I made to convince him to either let me get a doctor or to perform first aid myself. I do not want to fire my own brother, but if he continues to neglect his work and exhibit volatile moods, I fear I will have no choice. Entry dated December 5th, 1895. Last night, Algernon received a letter from Boston and left instantly. He promises he will return before the new term begins in mid-January. Technically, the current term doesn't end for another eight days, but his teaching assistants have clear instructions for how to handle his classes. I guess the blessing of his absenteeism is that being called away will not be as disruptive as it would have been had he been present for this entire term. He would not say what urges him to travel, but I am exhausted and barely care. I have given him a warning that my expectations for him will be much higher upon his return. Entry dated December 24th, 1895. I celebrated Christmas Eve dinner with Helena, James, and Elizabeth. We set out a banquet in the dining room on the third floor. Lydia Messinger prepared us a roast turkey before leaving the kitchen for the remainder of the year. Growing up, I never really had holiday traditions, and both Helena and James typically had roast goose for dinner, though the turkey was an acceptable American substitute. A few years ago, during James and Helena's first Christmas in Ellis Field, we established the tradition of exchanging books, a tradition we kept alive tonight. After the exchange, we drank hot chocolate and told ghost stories, as is the tradition in Helena's family. When it was Elizabeth's turn, she was initially hesitant, but she told us she didn't know any ghost stories, but then she said, sometimes the building speaks to me. Helena and James listened, not openly disbelieving their daughter, but still hesitant to fully believe what she was saying. Elizabeth is 10 and very quiet and serious, not the sort to make up such flights of fancy. I did not want to give away too much, so I cautiously asked, what does it say to you? She replied, it mostly wants me to feel safe. And how long have you heard it? I asked, feeling markedly less worried in light of her first answer. Since we moved here, it greeted me the first time I entered the building. I have heard it everywhere, but I hear it the strongest in the library. This must have assuaged any worry that James and Helena were feeling as the subject was quickly dropped. Still, later that evening, while James was down in the library looking for a Latin textbook and Helena was making tea, Elizabeth whispered to me, it tells me whenever your brother is angry and helps me to stay away from where he will be. A.G. Plume Commentary. That's unsettling, right? Audio diary of Dr. Anna Georgina. Let's see what this is all about. I got one of those camera things that notifies me when someone's at the front gate. Between Sam's letters and our friend, our friend who is waiting at the gate right now. Hello, please.
Please don't leave. Have you found my necklace? No, but I promise you'll have it as soon as I do. I never said I wanted it back. I merely asked you to find it. Can you give me a little more to work with? It will reveal itself to you in time, perhaps gradually. Must everyone around here be so cryptic all the time? The process is more important than the product. You're an educator. I would have thought you knew that. I do, yes, but you told me to find the necklace. Anyway, I don't think we've formally been introduced. I'm Anna Georgina, and you are... Wait, Lucy? Or is it Helena? Neither. Okay, so you are... I've been known by a number of names. Lady Sophia will do, or Sophia the Wise. Whichever you prefer. Is there something I can call you that doesn't sound like the protagonist of a medieval narrative? I suppose Sophia will do. So was there anything else? Can you tell me why you seem so familiar? You will figure it out. In the meantime, I must go. You're taking really good care of the school. How do you know that? Earl Grey, Glengetty, Oolong, what's wrong? And she's gone. Nothing wrong with the dogs. They appear to have seen a squirrel. The timing of that, though. How did she slip away like that? I guess I could watch back the camera to see if it picked up on her departure. Who's a tiny kitty? You're a tiny kitty. Excuse me, ma'am. Are you aware that you are, in fact, orange? for Algernon Hobbs. No records for Algernon Hobbs. The basement is off limits. What the actual hell? This is new. Hmm. Text from Sierra. Let's see what she says. AG, Lenore reached out to me. Please tell me you're not considering talking to her again. She said she didn't think Billy would pass along her message, but seriously, can you believe her? Tell me how you want me to respond, please. Wow, I'm just going to decide whether to deal with this or not tomorrow. Ghosts, I can manage. I don't need X's on top of that. Go to bed, Anna Georgina. Ellis East Elementary Walkthrough, May 18th. There is a large wooden desk that takes up the entire length of the room with a green banker's lamp on top of it. The desk is otherwise empty. 
The walls of this room are covered in posters from events at the school ranging from 1983 to three years ago when the school closed. There are flyers for plays, fundraisers, benefits, layered over each other on what looks to be a bulletin board that spans the wall, though you have to move aside a lot of paper to see it. The papers are starting to curl with age, and the older ones have faded where they are exposed to sunlight from the window that sits over the desk. On the corner of one of these flyers is a drawing in black ink with a fine-tipped pen of a rectangle that is twice as wide as it is tall, with a dot exactly in the middle. This is the last room of note downstairs. I will exit the ticket office, follow the hallway to the side staircase, and go upstairs to explore the teacher's lounge. Lavender Evening Fog is a fiction podcast. This episode was written by Victoria Dickman Burnett, directed by Ben Baird, produced, mixed, and edited by Nick Federico and Victoria Dickman Burnett. Executive producers are Ben Baird and Victoria Dickman Burnett. The voice of Anna Georgina Plume is Victoria Dickman Burnett. The voice of Billy is Nick Federico. The voice of Sophia the Gate Lady is Amy Yap. The voice of Roybos is Pilaf G. Kittensworth Esquire. The Lavender Evening Fog logo was designed by Allison Dickman, and our season two concept art was designed by Matt Lowe. This episode is brought to you by a distorted reflection. This episode pairs well with Coco Shell Tea. And now, a promo from our friends Spirit Box Radio, an award-winning arcane audio drama. We highly recommend checking them out wherever you get your podcasts. Are we more than we are? Welcome to Spirit Box Radio, now hosted by, uh, me, Sam Enfield. I used to be the P.O. Box boy, but since Madame Marie and all her loyal assistants disappeared, I'm the only one left. I'm sure I'll figure it out. I have noticed a couple of things seem a bit off here in the studio, like these augury forecasts which keep appearing out of nowhere, and all these weird messages. And all of these cats keep showing up too. I have no idea where Madame Marie has gone. She'll be back though, I'm sure. It'll all be fine, right? Right. I may not know much about magic, ghosts, or the arcane, but I'm sure we can figure it out together, faithful listeners. Everything will be fine. Tune in to new episodes of Spirit Box Radio every Thursday and learn how there are much worse things than ghosts to be haunted by. Spirit Box Radio is a cosy horror audio drama with themes of grief, love, and identity, with new episodes releasing every week wherever you listen to podcasts. To find transcripts and learn more about the show, visit hangingsawstudios.com forward slash spirit dash box dash radio. Spirit Box Radio is recorded in front of a dead studio audience. Tune in. Get spooky. (laughs) 